Thank you so much, Praise Band. This morning, I invite you to open your Bible. I hope that you have your copy of God's Word, and you'll look with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2, is where we're at today. And uh, we're picking up with a text that we looked at last week, and so we're going to revisit it this week. We didn't finish our message last week, and so uh, uh, we're going to pick it up uh, this week, and uh, I encourage you to follow along. Uh, I don't know if you can, uh, I, I'm like many of you, this week I contracted this cold and uh, uh, upper respiratory deal, and so uh, 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 we'll, we'll do our very best to make the focus to be the Scripture and the Lord and what the Spirit has to say to us today, but you might have to dodge a little coughing along the way, all right? Those on the front row are, somebody said they're paying for the expensive seats, and then there's... Uh, uh, and somebody said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And so it's, uh, that's something different. If you look with me to uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, how to, uh, really the title of this message is How to Embrace the Savior All Year Long. We've talked about being embracing the Savior, but how do we embrace Him and embrace Christmas, this, this whole truth, all year long, and make it all about... I, folks, I absolutely... Uh, love our house when it's decorated for Christmas, but I despise putting up the decorations at Christmas. Quite honestly, Christy does more than the lion's share of that work. She says all of it, and so uh, uh, nearly all of it. And the only thing that we despise uh, more than uh, putting them up is taking them down. And uh, has anybody here besides me still have Christmas decorations up at your house? Oh, good. I'm not the only one. And so I, I, I think that I told Christy that I think that we could really enjoy Christmas all year long. But she's not bought into that yet. When I was a boy in our hometown, there was a man who lived down the street. His name is Mr. Green, and he had a house, and he uh, left his lights up all year long. I said to him one day, I was just a kid riding my bike, and I said, Mr. Green, you ain't going to take your lights down. He said, I'm not taking them down. He said, but I did turn them off. And so anyway, uh, I don't know about you, uh, but let's think about how can I really embrace, embrace our Savior. And as I look at this passage of Scripture today, I want to notice what happened here and notice How God worked in these two older adults. And Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has retained these stories that nobody else has. And they're here for our instruction. Amen? And Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning with verse 21. When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus. The name given by the angel when before he was conceived. So this is, uh, this was eight day, this is one week. And then 33 days later, and when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was stated in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. 
this would be the offering of two very, uh, of an, an impoverished family. This was the offering that the poorest of the poor would make. This is some indication of the financial condition of Joseph and Mary. They were paupers, really. They were poor. This must predate the coming of the Magi and their gifts. And so we see their poverty here in bringing just two turtle doves. But you also see that they're under the law, obedient to the law of Jesus in the fullness of time, Paul said. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, obedient to the word of God. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. (coughs) Pardon me. And Simeon, notice he is a, he is a, what kind of man he is. He was righteous and devout. And not only that, he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. Notice how many references to the Holy Spirit regarding Simeon. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27, guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. And Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You've prepared it in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, indeed, this child's destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. Jacob, would you come up here? I want you to pray for him. Pray for me. And pray over God's word. Somebody had Jacob a microphone? Anybody here got a microphone? Holy Father, we just thank you so much for Pastor Tim and for um, your word that is powerful. We thank you for a people gathered to hear from you, and we pray that you would speak through your word and even um, 
a man like Pastor Tim who is frail and 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 fall and we have this fallen nature that our bodies can get sick and we we pray that you can even use a sick man that is coughing and uh, that you would still speak to our hearts this morning knowing that we're not putting on a show that has to be perfect but that we truly want to hear from you and we want to, you to speak to our hearts and teach us about your son so that we can follow him. And I pray for Pastor Tim that you would grant him clarity and, and that you would grant all of us patience and, and open ears and eyes to see your glory and hear from you. And I pray for Pastor Tim that you would ease his coughing and, and that you would just bless him to speak your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> Last week, as we look at this together, we were thinking about these are ways that we can, we can indeed uh, embrace the Savior all year long. And one of the things I said was, by living in the present, notice that uh, Simeon and Anna as well, they are living in the present. They were looking every day. They were looking forward, looking forward to what God was going to do, looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, and looking every day at how God was at work. And on that day that the Lord Jesus was coming into the temple with this impoverished young couple, Joseph and Mary, just a young couple still in their teens, most likely, carrying a baby, and only bringing the smallest gift possible. And they are coming into the temple complex, and the Spirit of God moves in Simeon to recognize the presence of Christ. And he was moved. Are you looking? Are you aware? Are you aware of how God is at work in the world, living in the present, not in the past, not in the future, but living today and how God is at work. This is one of the ways that we embrace the Savior. Is every day say, God, how are you at work in this world, in my life, and how do you use me? I won't re-preach last week's message, but we talked about that. Secondly, about living faithfully. Notice the very character traits that are found in this man, Simeon. He's described as devout. He was a faithful man. That means let's be faithful and devout and faithful to the Lord and faithful to the law of God, faithful to obey God. And that's what we see in Simeon. He was a faithful to man, a faithful God to God and committed to obey him. And third, he lived in with integrity. We talked about that. He was a just man, a righteous man. He obeyed the law. He obeyed God's word. And folks, you can't embrace the Savior if you reject the Word of God. If you disobey this book, if you are not walking with Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, how important is it to read the Bible? As we begin this new year, I'm telling you, it will change your life if you are faithful and disciplined to read God's Word and pray every day in your life.
Somebody should have said amen right there. I don't have much of a voice. You all have to help me out. Don't we need to? How, how important is reading God's word and prayer? Make it priority in your life. You say, I don't understand the Bible. Listen, there are so many different versions of the Bible. There, there are so many versions that are is so accessible to you. Your Bible study teacher, your small group leader, your pastors, they will help you to get a Bible that you can read and understand. There are so many different study aids to help. But let God, if you pray this prayer, God, teach me about your word. And as you'll read it, the Spirit of God will show and teach you. And you'll learn. Your eyes will become open. Your heart will become warm. Your ears become sensitive. And God begins to work in your life. More and more obedient to Christ. Fourthly, we looked at by living a spirit-directed, spirit-led, spirit-filled life. And indeed, that's what Simeon did. That's the kind of life that he did. Guided by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, revealed to him by the Spirit. God's Spirit was working upon Simeon, in Simeon, guiding Simeon. I know it may not fit in your systematic theology, but I'm telling you, God's Spirit was at work in Simeon. Clearly, that's what Luke's telling us. And the Spirit of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, dwells in you, teaches you, speaks to you, reminds you, convicts you, comforts you, empowers you, gifts you, helps you to bear the character traits of Jesus as he has your life. You say, Pastor Tim, how do I? Can I be filled with the Spirit? Not only can you, you should be filled with the Spirit. This isn't just for unusual Christians. It should be for every Christian that we should be walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. We are sons of God. So how does this happen? It doesn't mean that you have to get bonked on the head by somebody weird. That is not it. It is about reading the Bible, hearing God's voice, obeying with full repentance, trusting in the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and opening your heart to say, God, I want all of you to walk with you, obey you, follow you, and God's Spirit will fill you and lead you in your life. This is what God wants in your life and in my life. Amen? Now today, we're going to pick up there, and we're going to look at, the, look at the next point, and that's living a life of blessing. One of the things we notice about Simeon, there's two characters, Simeon and this older woman, Anna, on this uh, episode at the, in Jerusalem. <coughs> he sees the Lord. He took him up in his arms, and he praised God, and then he breaks out into song. The Latin for this song is nuctamitus. It's because the very first word is in emphatic. It stands first, should stand first in your translation, verse 29. 
It says, now, master, you can dismiss. So the word nuke me now, dismissed, now dismissed. I'm ready to be dismissed. What he's saying is, I have seen your promise, and I'm ready to go home. You can take me whenever you want. My life's complete and fulfilled. I have seen the king, the Messiah. Amen? And so he breaks out in song, but he also began, seeks, uh, uh, speaks a word of blessing. And he says, concerning him, he's a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And he said, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to depart. You're my master, my king. He uses a word for Lord that's quite unusual. He, it is um, it's the, it's the word despata. It's, uh, it's a different word. It's where we get the word despot from. Ruler, my master, my king, my authority. He said, I'm ready to go. He said, and, uh, and he blessed them. You know, there's not time today to talk about the importance of a blessing. But one of the ways that we can experience and embrace the Savior all year long is let our lives be lives of blessing and not cursing. You know, the Bible speaks when God creates the first man and the woman, he creates them in his own image, and he blessed them and said, what? To fill the earth, to subdue it. He, he, he poured out his blessing on them. He spoke blessing to them. In Genesis chapter 9 with Noah, the Lord speaks after the flood, blessing on Noah and his family. Abram, when he's called by God in Genesis chapter 12, God speaks blessing on Abram. Genesis chapter 14, the king of Salem comes, and Abraham comes before him, and he blesses him. And uh, Abraham pays a tithe to him. He said, Abram is blessed by God most high. <clears throat> and 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 and. and and he just talked, he says, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Blessed be the God most high who's handed your enemies over to you. It's a, a word of blessing that was upon him. And Abraham blessing his sons. And Isaac, remember, giving his blessing to Jacob. And remember how, uh, how the boys were blessed out of order. And the, the desire that Esau had, Father, isn't there a blessing for me? How about for me, a blessing? Hungry for that blessing. And Moses blesses the people again and again. And so we find this sense of blessing. We find here the blessing, this blessing taking place in the temple complex, moved in, by the Holy Spirit of God concerning the very Son of God. Jesus, later in his ministry, takes the children in his arms and he blesses them. How do you give blessings in your life? How do you speak into others' lives, into their children, your grandchildren? Tell them about hope. And tell them about the gospel. Tell them about the plan, God's plan of blessing on their life. It's, I, I don't know. Once somebody asked me one time, do you believe that you received a blessing as a child? 
And I said, I did. But there are so many, and many of you here today, that longed for a parent to bless your life. And they never did. Let me tell you what, the God of eternity stepped out of heaven. And he died for you, and he died for me. And he's poured out his blessing on you. And he is calling you sons and daughters of God. He loves you. You have a hope, and you have a future. This is the great news that we have. And there's a sense of blessing here. And I I, want to look at it uh, for just a moment. He said he'll be a light for the revelation of the Gentiles, a glory to your people Israel. He blessed them. He told his mother, this child is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel to be a sign that will be opposed. He said a sword will pierce your heart. Just in thoughts about this today, he says, first of all, he says, the life of this Messiah, this Christ, is he will be, he's going to light up the world. His life will light up. That's what he will do. And, and uh, he'll bring light, revelation to the Gentiles and glory of his people Israel. Jesus brings light to the broken, dark world. Amen? And he didn't just come for Jews only, but he came for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 49, verse number 6. It's not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you what? A light for the what? Say it with me. Nations. To be my salvation, what? To the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, his Holy One, says to the one who is despised, to one abhorred by people, to a servant of rulers. Kings will see and stand up. And princes will bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel. And he has chosen you. Wow. Jesus. Jesus is light of the world. John chapter 1, verse number 3 says, All things were created through him. And apart from him, nothing was created that's been created. In him was life, and that life was that, that life was the light of of men, and the light shines in the darkness, then the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus is the light of the world. He reveals who God is. Jesus brings light into a broken, lost, dark world, and there's only one light, and that's Jesus Christ himself. Jesus, in John chapter 8, says, I am, ego, I me, I am light of the world. There's only one. And that's Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Paul's called us. Paul was called to this ministry. And as Paul recalls his salvation and called the ministry, in Acts chapter 26, listen to what the Spirit, what the Lord said to him. I will rescue from the people from the Gentiles and now send them to open their eyes that they may turn from what? darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, that by faith in me they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified. Amen. This is God's call on all of us to point people to the light of the world 
and that is Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? Not only that, but he kind of does tear down, doesn't he? This light of the world, he not only lights the world, but those who reject him, they fall. He says he was appointed to the fall and the rise of many in Israel. That's what Simeon said to this young couple concerning this baby. What does he mean by fall? It means to stumble, to devastation, or to destruction. And that's exactly right. The arrogant, the prideful, the self-sufficient, those that say that they don't need a Savior, those who pridefully say they reject Jesus and they don't need Jesus, then they stumble over Christ and they're lost and have no hope in this world. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, He came to his own, but his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Look at the Sermon on the Mount, Luke's Gospel. Just flip over a couple of pages. Chapter number 6. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 6. Verse number 24. Listen to these woes coming out of the mouth of our Savior. But woe to you who are rich, for you've received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For this is the way their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. You reject Christ? You've rejected your only hope. If you say, I don't need a Savior, my life's pretty good. <coughs> hope. First Peter chapter number 2, you have your Bible. I don't have this on the screen, so you're going to have to open your Bible and look at it. 1 Peter, chapter number 2, beginning with verse 6. For it stands in Scripture. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone, and the stone, a stone to stumble over, and a rock of offense or to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word, and they were destined for this. Simeon himself said, many will fall and rise on this one. Folks, God has set his son, and he is a stone. And that son is a sign to all the world of God's love and hope and salvation. And that son proved it by dying on a cross and rising again victoriously. And everyone who puts their faith in him, comes to life. Living stones, Peter said. Those who reject him fall, and their fall is destruction and damnation and hell. There's not multiple ways to heaven. There's only one way, and it's in Jesus Christ alone.
Amen? Amen. That's why we teach and preach Jesus. Our church is all about Jesus, not about programs. It's about Jesus and the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Not only that, but he will lift up. That's the, that was the negative side. This is the positive side of his ministry. He lifts up. And chapter number 6 of the Sermon on the Mount, listen to what he said concerning those who are downcast and troubled. He said, and look at the disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor because the kingdom of God is yours. And blessed are you who are hungry because you will be filled. And blessed are you who weep now because you will laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven. For this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets said, come unto me, all of you who labor, weary, heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I'm lowly and humble of heart. and You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you come to Jesus, you'll find life. Amen. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to what Paul said. But God, who's rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses, you were saved by grace. Together with Christ, he raised us up and seated us in the heavens. Is that awesome or what? What did God do for us? We were dead, and he made us alive. And not only did he make you alive, he raised you up. Not only did he raise you up, he seated you in heaven and gave you an inheritance as children of God. Wow! He'll lift up rise of many in Israel. See, Israelites moved from just being Israelites to becoming sons of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. How can I embrace the Savior all year long, huh? 1 Corinthians chapter two, 1, verse 23, but God, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Yet those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power, God's wisdom. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Brothers, consider your calling, not many wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many noble birth. But instead, God's chosen what's foolish in the world to shame the wise. God's chosen what's weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what's insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring nothing, what is viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. The word of the cross is to those who are perishing. Paul begins this passage. The word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved. It's the power of God. Folks, the world looks at this and they say, how stu stupid and silly. You mean to tell me that, that I'm here because of some divine plan? You mean that my life really matters and there's a God that I'm answerable to? You mean that really that I'm spiritually dead? You mean that really God sent his son and this man, who, this Palestinian Jew that lived in Galilee and grew up in Nazareth, 
of these poor people never went to any great rabbinical school. You mean this, this thing that you teach, that this man lived the perfect life, you believe that? You believe that this man was God's son? You believe that? You believe that this man who was identified with criminals and crucified on an executioner's cross with criminals and that somehow he was paying for sins? I mean, you believe that? He died on a stick of wood 2,000 years ago. You believe that? That makes a difference? You believe that? What kind of myth or fable do you... Do you think, this can't be, this is foolishness. You believe that a dead man could rise from the dead? Yes, I do. And I bank my life on it. That he is the one and only Savior of the world. And that he died for my sins. And he rose again. And he is coming again for all of us. I bank my life on it. And for those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It seems like foolishness. Many stumble, but many are lifted up. And all who put their faith in trips, trust in Him, will be saved. Amen? How do I embrace, how do I embrace Christmas all year long? Well, I want to move next to this woman in the temple complex. Now, she's an elderly woman. Notice with me. And she is, how she identified and how she described by Dr. Luke in his gospel. It says that she was, her name is Anna. And let's look at Anna. She's a prophetess. Hmm. So that means she spoke for the word of God. She was a, a preacher and prophet of the word of God. She spoke God's truth. Some people say, Pastor, do you think that women can preach? I have no doubt that women can preach. Uh, obviously, uh, Christy delivers some really fine sermons at my house, and uh, so I know that women can preach, and the application is Bought on most of the time. And so uh, this is Anna. The Old Testament scripture identifies different Old Testament prophetesses that spoke the word of God. This woman happens to be an, uh, uh, 84 years, it says, a widow. There's some textually we're trying to figure out what does this mean. She lived with her husband for seven years and then she was a widow 84 years, and so if that's, if that's true, then she was probably 105 to 109 years old, but it could be that she was just an 84-year-old woman, but either way, she's an elderly woman. It says she was in the complex all the time, that she was there night and day. It's just a, a, a way to say she was at church all the time, and she was serving the Lord. How did she serve the Lord? This woman who not only spoke God's word, understood God's word, taught God's word, preached God's word, but she fasted. Notice what it says, that it, she served the Lord with fasting. 
and it says she was uh, along in years, and she was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving whom? God, night and day. How? With fasting and prayer. She was focused in praying. Oswald Chambers says, prayer does not equip us for greater work. Prayer is the greater work. She was a woman who served God, worked for God in fasting and praying. Some people say, well, all they did was pray. It's not all they did. Well, I, I don't know what to do. I, Pastor, give me something to fix this problem. And I say, have you prayed about it? Well, no, give me something to fix it. There's nothing greater than prayer. Let's seek him. And that's the kind of woman that she was. She was a woman of prayer. And she, she's in this complex. And, and she came up and she began to thank God and speak to them about all those who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Paul's instruction concerning prayer, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord, I'll say to you again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, all kinds of prayer. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses every thought will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Paul also says, if you look with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Living a life of prayer. Let me ask you about your prayer life. If you want to embrace the Savior all year long, make your life a matter of prayer. Learn to discipline yourself for prayer. And when you pray, you'll find peace. And when you pray, you find joy. And when you pray, you find power. And when you pray, you find humility. And when you pray, you see that God begins to do a work in your life. Prayer is so important. Will you focus in 2019 to become a man or a woman of prayer? To carve out time in your life to pray. To be focused in prayer. To pray when you drive. Pray when you live. Pray during your life. But be focused in prayer. One of the things I do that helps me focus in prayer. And I, I, I pray all during the day. Different times during the day. But there's specific times in my life that I pray. I pray at night. But I pray every morning. And I have a journal. And it's a journal that I meet with the Lord. And it's between me and Him. And he speaks to me, and I write, and I write prayers. I write things that God says to me from his word. I write in my Bible as he speaks to me. I write out prayers, and I, I, I list people I'm praying for by name. I pray about the things that God's saying in my life. I pray about things I need to confess and get right before God. I pray for my family. I pray for my friends. I pray for our staff. I pray for you. Prayer is so important in my life. So many Christians would just go through life and we're not praying. This woman was a man, woman of prayer. She's, wow. 
not only that, live a life of testimony to God. She began to speak and tell everybody that would listen, that was looking forward to the coming of God's uh, consolation of Israel and salvation. And uh, notice what she says in verse 38. At that very moment, she came and began to thank God and speak about him. Who did she speak to? To all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She didn't limit it to speaking just to people like her. She didn't speak, didn't limit it to speaking to people that were of the same gender as her, same nationality, same language. She spoke it to everybody who would listen and were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Salvation's come. Prayer's answered. Hope's realized. This is him. And she gave testimony to Jesus Christ. Amen. This Anna, I, I look forward to meeting her in heaven. I don't know much about this woman at all other than what's told us right here in Scripture. But won't it be glorious that day when I get to see her? And she said, and I, I just imagine in my mind's eye that I get to heaven someday, and first person I want to see when I get to heaven is Jesus. Amen? And, and uh, I don't know what that would be like, and then I can't imagine what the fellowship of the church would be like. I look forward to meeting Paul. wonder what he'll be like in heaven, don't you? But there's other characters I want to meet. Simeon's one of them. I want to say, Simeon, what in the world did you feel the day that you saw Jesus? And that's that young couple come in that court, in that temple court. And then I want to see, I, I just imagine she's a small, diminutive woman and a woman of prayer. And uh, I'll say, Anna, what did you feel when you saw that baby? Wouldn't it be great, glorious to hear those stories? My friends, Anna couldn't help telling everybody about Jesus. Now listen close. You want to experience and embrace the Savior all year long? Begin to tell other people about what you know. And that's what Jesus Christ has done for you. You say, well, I don't know if people believe me. They'll believe you. You tell your story about what God's done for you. And you trust the results to God himself. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, I pray that today, that today, we would learn lessons from this episode in the life of our Savior when he was just a baby about these two godly people, Simeon and Anna, and how they were looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and how that they rejoiced about their character. And Father, may we, may we live so in the world in which we live. Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they've rejected him, kicked against his authority, discounted him, I pray that today they might repent of sin and turn to Jesus, embracing him, as the Savior, Lord, Master, and King of the life. Father, have your way in our hearts, our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with me. You come.